Decarbonizing the energy sector of modern day will be one of the most challenging obstacles of our time, but it will also present an opportunity for pioneers to achieve the impossible. Energy demand is increasing, and so is the need to produce that energy sustainably so we can reach our net zero goals. This is the Core Knowledge Podcast, where we sit down with the leaders and innovators in the geothermal energy space, tackling the challenges of modern day in order to make geothermal everywhere a reality for tomorrow. From shallow to deep, heat to electricity, and even healthcare to agriculture, we will bring to light the many benefits of geothermal. Join us as we journey across the globe to bring awareness to the heat beneath our feet in order to power the future. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Core Knowledge Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Sestari, and this is the show where we're on a quest of bringing awareness to the heat beneath our feet in order to power the future. And I just want to say a quick thank you to everyone out there for tuning in. Um, if you've been along with us for this journey, uh, we've covered many different topics inside of the geothermal space across the last year and a half. Uh, we've seen how it can provide not only electricity, but it can provide heat in the form of district heating or industrial use cases or agriculture, aquaculture, uh, you name it. There have been many uh, use cases we've covered and been able to highlight on this show and done exactly what we hoped, which is bringing awareness to the greater public and even the industry itself on ways that we can continue to innovate and learn and bring geothermal to the forefront of the public's minds, our legislators' minds, you know, all the governments and just in general, the energy industry needs to be pushing for more geothermal to be adopted and used around the world. And so today, I'm extremely honored and excited to continue our conversation on geothermal, but in a light that we have been doing some recently, and I've talked about a lot on the show, but really highlighting uh, what I will call the incumbent energy companies that are really trying to figure out where they fit in in the energy transition and how their skills best align. And obviously, I've argued plenty on the show that geothermal is a perfect location for that. But today we get a chance to sit down with Jamie Baez, uh, who's the Vice President of Low Carbon Solutions with Echo Patrol, and really excited to talk about Echo Patrol in general and what they're doing, uh, but obviously in relation to geothermal. And so uh, extremely honored to have you on, Jamie. Thank you so much for making time uh, to come on the show today. It's, uh, it's truly an honor to have you. Well, thank you very much, Nick, for inviting me uh, to be part of this podcast and for giving me the opportunity to talk about what we are doing in Ecopetrol. Thanks. Yeah, absolutely. So let's uh, kick it off with just kind of an overview of, of your background, how you got involved with Ecopetrol, how you got involved working in this uh, particular role focused on low carbon solutions, and then just kind of what are some of the things that you're most excited about? Well, yes, sure. My name is Jamie Baez. I'm a female engineer and a mother of two kids. Uh, I'm a petroleum engineer, so my background is technical, and I've been working for more than 20 years in the energy industry. Uh, today, I have the honor to be part of the executive committee of Ecopetrol. This is a $37 billion revenue company and the biggest in Colombia. The Ecopetrol Group has presence in more than 10 countries in the Americas, and Today, I am the Low Carbon Solutions Vice President, as you said, and I have the privilege to lead a portfolio that includes natural gas, biogas, LPG, energy, renewables, hydrogen, and CCUS. So this is pretty much everything related with the energy transition. And this is a quite exciting role to me. 
uh, because, you know, working in the energy transition is having the opportunity to learn to be part uh, of something that is actually changing the world. And actually, you know, I have a team that is, you know, very passionate about this change. Uh, I'm pretty sure that they wake up, you know, every day thinking that we can impact, you know, not only Ecopetrol, but the country and the world. So uh, we have a purpose that goes beyond ourselves, beyond the goals settled by the company. And this is, you know, the spirit that we have here in Ecopetrol. Uh, we actually, you know, start working formally in low carbon solutions quite recently. It was like one year ago, but we have done a lot of progress in this time. And we have learned a lot. We think that, you know, we, we have this commitment to actually make the impossible possible, you know, and create the current balance in Colombia in terms of sustainability, affordability, and availability of energy for all the Colombian people. Wow. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's incredible to to really see, well, A, first off, you're, how much you are covering in your group, as you mentioned, pretty much everything inside of the energy transition. So I'm sure you get to see a lot of innovation and a lot of amazing ideas that come out of just the spaces that, you know, there's going to be so much that, that is needed and, and all those energies are going to play such an important role in the energy transition. So that's incredible that, well, the Echo Patrol is not limiting their focus to one thing or saying that one thing is the only answer. It's really awesome to see kind of leading the effort in, hey, let's give every energy a shot and kind of put uh, our knowledge and our skills and, and, you know, infrastructure and resources to work to see what we can do. So I really think that's an amazing, you know, aspect of what Echo Patrol is really, I would argue, a leading energy company in the space, especially in Colombia, but obviously just in the in the general energy space. Um, and I was thankful I got to sit in on Felipe's talk at Sarah Week and really just can, can sense the the importance of, of this to him and the company. So it's a really, really awesome to, again, get to sit with you and hear the same thing. So I guess along, you mentioned it's recently, I mean, most companies can argue that they've put forth some of these net zero goals or, or these goals in sustainability quite recently in the last, you know, two, two to three years maximum for most. Uh, and so what, what would you say are some of the main you know, strategies and goals that have actually been put in place that the Echo Patrol wants to achieve, you know, in the coming decades, all the way out to the 2050 from your team, your team specifically? Sure. Well, before jumping to the targets and what we have done from the decarbonization and energy transition strategy, I would like to highlight what you mentioned related with, you know, there is not one singular or only solution for the energy transition. No, there, there are plenty of opportunities in the world. Uh, there is not a defined state of art in terms of technology. So yes, I think one of the main lessons learned uh, for us has been, you know, to make mistakes. It is okay to make mistakes. We have to innovate. We have to create. We have to uh, develop different and diverse opportunities and a portfolio that is, you know, with a very, very wide range, you know. Uh, so that's what we are doing. And we started, you know, doing so because we had we have actually, you know, a quite comprehensive strategy in Ecopetrol. In 2022, well, we published that strategy that goes to 2040 strategy that's named Energy That Transform. Uh, we were actually, you know, the first company in the oil and gas industry in this area to disclose a roadmap for the next 20 years. And it was quite significant for us, you know, because this strategy was designed to actually transform 
a group that was very, very focused on the oil and gas industry to become, as you said, uh, an integrated energy group that participates in all the segments. Of, of course, we will keep, you know, in the our position in the hydrocarbon chain, upstream, mid, down, and commercialization. But what we are doing is to enrich that portfolio with acquisitions in energy infrastructure. So we recently acquired a company that owns most of the transmission, electricity transmission lines in the region in more than nine countries in, in, in Latin America. And we have this ambition to diversify into low carbon businesses. Of course, this strategy aims to address comprehensively the current environmental, social and governance priorities with a focus on generating sustainable value for all the uh, stakeholders. Here in Colombia, you know, Nick, I think uh, we, we face this trilemma, you know, that is very, very mentioned, like in every panel I've been yeah. in, in the last <laughs> six months. And in Colombia, is 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 you know, it's it's very particular because unfortunately, after the COVID, we have you know decreased the access to energy in Colombia. You know, the income for family has decreased as well. And, and all the indicators that are related, let's say, with uh, the food, you know, that the, the, the families are getting every day are worsening, you know, with time. So for Colombia, it is not only a matter to decarbonize our economy and to provide, you know, technologies that are greener compared with the ones that we are using every day. But it is also a matter to embrace a challenge that is a social challenge. We don't want to leave anyone behind of this transformation. And I think, you know, that's the maybe the tricky question of, of, of how we will do that. You know, uh, hydrogen is, is, is great. It's quite cool. I, I love working in hydrogen projects, but it is quite expensive. So yeah. we need, you know, to balance like everything. And that's the reason because we are saying, okay, we need to grow with the energy transition, of course, but it will be exactly that, a transition. We need to keep, you know, this hydrocarbon chain, uh, chain value chain, and we need to increase the gas supply. We need to be sure and secure, you know, the, the domestic sources of the hydrocarbons because the Colombians are using hydrocarbons every day. Yeah. But our mission is to actually produce them as green as possible. So we have, you know, an extensive program related with energy efficiency, uh, the incorporation of renewables in our own energy mix uh, to produce better fuels every day. Uh, and I think, you know, that's a significant part. Uh, in that mix, we are increasing actually, you know, the, the, the portion of natural gas that we are producing. Uh, and of course, we need to generate value through technology, environmental, social and governance, as I mentioned before. Uh, we aim to be net zero CO2 emissions equivalent, uh, by 2050, but we have been also working on, you know, getting zero routine gas flares by 2030. We have uh, disclosed all the methane emissions that we have in 95 for our operations. Uh, we have been working, you know, to contribute to educate more than 2 million young Colombians. Uh, we have we have working in incorporating cutting edge knowledge for the people here. Uh, but of course, we need competitive returns. So as most of the oil and gas companies, what we are doing is to be sure that we have a very, very efficient 
hydrocarbon backbone in our business uh, that assure uh, you know the financial muscle that is required to develop this low carbon portfolio in Colombia and in general in the region. So what we are doing uh, to, to do so is, uh, as you said, we are working in, in a lot of things. We are working in natural gas. We are increasing the exploration and development investments to, to secure that natural gas for the Colombian people. But we have been also working in other technologies as CCUS, for example, hydrogen. We own two refineries. So we are using gray hydrogen every day. Uh, so we have the challenge to uh, decarbonize that production, but also, of course, to create, you know, new industries in Colombia and in the region related with hydrogen. And when it comes to renewables in Colombia, there is a vast potential for renewables. Uh, there is, you know, land that is available for solar. Uh, we have the radiation indicators that are quite competitive, you know, worldwide. We have top quartile wind speed in Colombia, uh, mainly in the northern area, uh, in the Caribbean Sea. We have resources for geothermal. We have resources for uh, biomass. So we have increasing, you know, actually doubling the renewable capacity installed in our facilities every year. And hopefully we will get a capacity of 900 megawatts in 2025. Uh, and, and I think, you know, this is just like the beginning of a journey that is quite exciting, uh, but it has, you know, significant potential in Colombia. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's really amazing to hear just kind of the, the layout and the, well, the amount of work and time that I can tell that, you know, Echo Patrol has really put into developing a, a real strategy with some real outlined initiatives and goals, because, you know, sometimes we can kind of put comments out there that say we want to do something, but then there's not anything necessarily behind it. Um, and so it's really great to see the active, you know, the Echo Patrol is taking an active position saying that we're going to actually be a part of trying to figure out these complex challenges. Because as you mentioned, the point that I bring up a lot on this show and obviously just in, a, in general in, in discussions with people around energy transition is that it's the social aspect, even though it's mentioned in you know ESG and it's talked about, it sometimes is not focused on maybe enough to really the complex nature of the affordability and the access and really the just transition of everything to make sure that we're not just trying to switch energy sources and carry on as we are today, but it's really around trying to make the world cleaner, but also to make the world more accessible uh, and give everyone access to the way of life that most of us are afforded and can, you know, that hydrocarbons have done, you know, a lot for that in the last, you know, couple decades. And so we can't take away that the hydrocarbon industry has done so much for so many areas of the world and given access to energy where people before had no access to, uh, you know, any kind of way of life that was, uh, you know, anywhere near equitable or sustainable. And so, uh, I like the comment that you you made about Echo Patrol really saying, you know, hydrocarbons aren't going to go away. We're trying to figure out how to do them cleaner and better and obviously transition into other avenues. But they will they will help fund a lot of the new technology. And let's not forget the people that work in these energy companies are some of the smartest, most innovative and brightest people that we have working on energy. And they've been innovating things for the last 20, 30, 40, 50 years. And so why would we stop you know, now and, and not let that continue 
um, but just become, like you said, integrated energy companies and really just look across the entire value chain and find areas where we can get better and we can innovate and we can learn. And like you said, fail, but learn from those failures and just continue to get better because let's be honest, 2050 is not very far away when you talk about the amount of innovation and and new energy and just things that we need to accomplish by that point. But, um, you know, yes, I've talked with some people from Columbia on the show and just in my time and being in the geothermal industry. And there are, are an immense amount of resources there from hydrocarbons to all the way through all the renewables that you mentioned. And of course, you know, on this show, we love geothermal and we love all renewables. So we're not, we're not, uh, partial to any, but we also are somewhat biased to geothermal. But I want to talk about <laughs> the uh, the potential for geothermal. But the first question I, I want to pose is just kind of, you know, take us through what the importance of, I believe it was at, at Sarah Week that this announcement was made, was the alliance that Echo Patrol formed with Baker Hughes and Czech to basically, you know, start investigating geothermal and promoting geothermal in Colombia, but obviously not just Colombia, but starting with, you know, it being in Colombia. So what's the importance of that, uh, you know, alliance being formed for Echo Patrol, but also for just the industry of, of geothermal and, and this transition? Sure. Well, you are right. It was in, in Sarah Week and it was quite, you know, significant for us. First, I would provide like some context on what's the potential uh, for geothermal in Colombia. Just for you to know, in Colombia, we have three mountains range and a relevant volcanic activity. So therefore, there is a quite significant potential for geothermal energy in these volcanic areas. Um, there are not necessarily, you know, very deep studies around the, the potential, but we think that it would be at least uh, one gigawatts of potential, you know, based on the current studies that we have. Um, well, among these areas, there is one in particular that is named the Nereidas Valley. You know, that's the Ruiz Volcano. This area has had actually extensive studies carried out in the over the last three decades, I would say, including an extensive campaign of information gathering. And actually, an exploratory well was really, it was named the Nereidas one. However, that well didn't reach the target, you know, it was due to to some technological limitations. It was 1997, I think, when when that uh, well was drilled. And, well, unfortunately, I think there were not necessarily the technology available for, for being a very successful well from that point of view. But on the other hand, it provided valuable information and it reached, tempera- it reached sorry, temperatures of almost 200 um, degrees. So I think, you know, this is a clear indicator of a high enthalpy system in that area. So that project, you know, for, for different reasons, uh, was like put on, on hold and didn't actually, you know, got traction in the last 25 years. Uh, and as you said, you know, in, in renewables, in hydrogen and in these low carbon solutions around the globe, I think that we need to move to move from MOUs to real projects. And yeah. that's my target and that's my team's target. Uh, so we we think, okay, uh, how we can make this work? You know, what is needed to actually have this potential but have a real project? So we started conversations. We, worked, we got together with Czech. This is the hydroelectric power plant uh, Central Hydroelectrica de Caldas, 
who owns the area, and it is the company that is specialized in generation and commercialization of, of energy. But also, uh, we got together with Baker Hughes, who has significant experience in geothermal energy projects around the world, including the design and deconstruction of power plants, and of course, Ecopetrol, and we have extensive experience in integrated subsurface projects, you know, and we, the three parties, took the decision to align extremes and to mobilize this project where we hope, you know, to have at least two wells uh, drilled the next year. Uh, so when we signed that agreement in Sarah Week, we said, okay, this is a significant milestone. We have this agreement signed, but this is just the beginning. We have, you know, to set a goal that is ambitious, that is, you know, that actually call the action for the teams. And we said, we, we really want to start drilling the well. So we will be drilling ahead in 2024. Uh, and, and we see, you know, we, we have been working on this. Um, if these wells prove the, to be successful and we all the partners hope it is quite doable, it will be the first project of its kind in Colombia. Wow. And the one we expect it will open, you know, the, the path to develop and materialize the potential of geothermal energy in Colombia. Uh, the initial phase that we are targeting, it is to have at least 20 to 25 megawatts of installed okay. capacity. And with two additional wells that are already in the plan, uh, we will reach a potential between five uh, to 100 megawatts. So that's, you know, an interesting upside uh, in other areas, but we need to, you know, start in a phased approach. Uh, just with the, the potential that we have today uh, for, for this project, we could provide energy to 200 to 400,000 homes in Colombia. Wow. Uh, and of course, you know, this project has the potential to impact socially a wonderful area of the country that has enormous touristic potential, has a strong agricultural potential, mm. but actually today it suffers from the lack of better infrastructure. Mm. So we see this alliance, you know, as both the beginning of hopefully a long journey and very successful journey for geothermal energy development, but also a project that can have a significant social dividends to an isolated but beautiful, beautiful area of Colombia that you are more welcome to visit like any day. Um, so currently the, the project is being mature. Uh, we are targeting to have the final investment decision at the end of this year. Okay. Uh, and, and if we are able to do so, we will start the drilling the next year. Um, so that's, that's what we are working on. We think, you know, this is, this is a uh, very important, you know, not, not only for, for, for us, the three companies, but this is quite important also for the communities that are living there, that are actually, you know, looking for affordable energy sources, for, you know, investments that goes beyond the, the very technical aspects of the project. And, and I think, you know, the, the other reasons because Baker check and Ecopetrol are working together is because we share that vision. We yeah. share the vision that, you know, we, we have to work in a very holistic approach to make this project su successful. Yeah, no, that's an, an amazing. I was going to ask about the project afterwards, but it's honestly, it was 
perfect letting you describe that we need to move from just MOUs to actually doing projects because, I mean, again, I love to see agreements and, and partnerships. It's never a bad thing around the world, but especially geothermal, I would argue, because of just sometimes how long it takes to develop projects and some of the upfront capital needs and and more a little bit more development timeline, you know, longer development timeline than a solar or wind project. Uh, we have to move well, faster in some degree, and we really have to mobilize, uh, you know, financing, mobilize partners and people, um, and really have to make those agreements and take them to the next step, which is actually putting steel in the ground, drilling wells, and and trying to figure this out so we can further it. So that's really awesome to hear that that's turning right around from a signing of the paper to let's get the let's start drilling wells, let's see what we can do and test the potential and. And actually go and and again you you reiterated our point that we love to talk about the all the benefits beyond just electricity that that can provide for the community with agricultural just better food quality or access to food where they maybe don't have food and just providing tourism income as well which is something that Kenya and Iceland do very well with their geothermal and so I think exciting to hear about that and and definitely we'll be following along uh to see the updates and may have to even make a trip myself to come see the activity and see the area uh so that I can get a real a real feel for the community and and the geothermal um that's you know the potential that's there so I have one more question and we'll roll into the uh, rapid fire three questions that I give every guest at the end. But the last one I just kind of wanted to ask you is, as it pertains to obviously, uh, you know, we hear those goals of the getting to potentially 100 megawatts or even beyond, depending on what you find, you know, but Columbia is also, from what I've seen, been leading in the space of legislation allowing for this to happen, uh, you know, to make geothermal development, you know, accessible and something that you can actually go and do. So would you would you th- say that Columbia has been doing a good job from the government aspect of making it pretty accessible and easy to go out and develop various renewable projects, including, you know, geothermal? Well, regulation is always a challenge, I think. You know, it is not necessarily easy. And I, and I think one of the reasons it is because each country is actually willing to make its own regulation, yeah. regulatory framework. So, uh but, but, you know, in general, I think, you know, from the government perspective, we have actually got a lot of support to make these renewable projects real, you know, and to actually deploy some of these opportunities. Um, and I think, you know, when it comes to Colombia, it is great because we have not only the national government support, but you have a company like Ecopetrol, you know, that is a primarily a state-owned company, you know, uh, but we are a quite big company. We have an incumbent position. We have the financial muscle that is required. So when it comes to Colombia, and that's just like my perception, the investors, you know, the international investors are actually, you know, getting what is required to make the projects done. Um in some other countries in which they have the potential, but maybe they have the, the, the government support, but they don't have a, a local company, you know, that local partner that is required to handle with the communities to understand how to embrace the challenges that you have in the real life. It is quite difficult for the international investors. So I think, you know, that's that's what is making the, the things uh, working, you know, to, to make... Uh, to, to get the, the projects done in Colombia. However, you know, I think we have a, a journey ahead. Uh, 
We have some uh, incentives, mainly from the tax perspective. Uh, but anyway, there is a lot of work to be done from the regulatory framework development. Uh, but the Colombian government, you know, has been working throughout the region. So we have had some conversations with other countries like Panama, mm. Chile, Brazil, among others. And we have actually started, you know, some studies and some joint efforts to have one perspective on the regulatory framework and also to help each other. So I think, you know, that's, that's actually, you know, I think it's very, very attractive for us as a country. Um, in this area of the renewables, sometimes we are, you know, like in a competition <laughs> among yeah. countries. And I think after the water, uh, unfortunately, uh, most of the countries are taking this perspective that is, okay, my priority is to, to secure the energy for my people, which is, mm -hmm. I think, it is important. But we need to work, you know, with the governments and the other companies not to let that position to avoid the, the, you know, the partnerships to get real projects, you know, to keep the conversations together. That's, you know, the key. The, we, we mentioned that, you know, being open to make mistakes is important for innovation. But I think the other component that is quite important, it is to actually be very humble and to understand that you don't have all the answers and that you need partners, you need to work together with other people. So I think, you know, that's that's what we are trying to do here in Colombia, including the government, of course. Yeah, no, that's great. That's great. I mean, tr having trusted partners in the community that are already there and have been operating is a big, big piece and really does help things advance and, and give a voice back to the government to help with policy. And then collaboration, I think, is big. I've been screaming for all of us to get on the same page or as much as we can around the world instead of all creating our own versions that are so different that make it really hard for companies to develop the same type of project in other countries that need it. And so, um, but really amazing overview. And, and like I always say, at every end of the shows, I think I could talk uh, to you for another, well, many hours, because I'm sure there's so much I could learn from you and your experience and just from what Echo Patrol is doing, which means I'll just have to come and visit and actually have a sit down so we can hear more about what Echo Patrol is doing and see it up close and personal. But before I let everybody go, I ask three quick questions that are just more on a personal level to let the audience get familiar with you. So first one is just a piece of advice that you would give to a younger yourself or someone who's in university and doesn't know what they want to do uh, with their career. Well, I would like to give a, a, a award for the female engineers. Uh, and that's, you know, there is a chance for you, you know, to become uh, a president, to become a CEO, to become a manager. You can actually lead the change and you can change, change the world. So don't be shy. Uh, you know, raise your voice, help each other because women, you know, have a play have a role to play in this energy transition. And, and I think, you know, actually the, the female voices are bringing something that is required, you know, uh, not only from the technical side, but also from the social perspective, from the environmental sensitivity. So don't be shy, raise your voice, and we are here to help you. Yeah, that's amazing. I 
Couldn't have said it better myself. That's awesome. That's a great piece of advice to leave us with. Um, number two is across your your whole career, um, what's one project or experience that you look back on with fond memories as one of your favorite times across your career? Well, it was actually when I became a mom. <laughs> it was 12 years ago, and I was, you know, at the middle of my professional life. Uh, and it was, you know, a quite exciting time. At the very beginning of my career, I thought that I was not going to be able to be a mom and to be a successful engineer in an in a very male-dominated environment. So I have, you know, most of my lessons learned, and 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 I think uh, who I am. It is because my two kids that has teach me that I'm able to do, you know, both roles. And that I don't have to uh, sacrifice, you know, being a mom. I'm not a bad mom and I'm not a bad professional. You can, you know, actually be successful in, in all the areas that, that you can dream about it. So it is just a matter to be very disciplined, to be organized and to have the, pli- the priorities clear in your life. So uh, it was quite exact, exciting for me, challenging as well, of course. Yeah. But I think it is it is great, and and I'm I'm very proud, you know, to be a, a vice president in a company as a Copetrol and a mom of two. So it is not necessarily easy, but it is totally doable. Yeah, absolutely, and that's so good to say it for people to hear, and and just for the encouragement to know that you can it can be done, and it is uh, you know priorities are are an important thing to set, and always be making sure you make time for both. There is room, so I I love that that's what you shared, and then the, the last one. We'll leave the the listeners with is a book recommendation. Uh, it can be an all time favorite book you've read, or a recent one, or or anything that comes to uh, top of mind. Well, sure. Well, I am Colombia, so I should recommend a Colombian book. Yes. Uh, so Gabriel Garcia Marquez, I think it is the the writer that most of you uh, for sure have uh, hopefully read. So my favorite book is. Uh, Los Tiempos, eh, El Amor en Los Tiempos de Cólera. That's the name in Spanish. So there is another book of Gabriel Garcia Marquez that is, I, I would say, globally known, but I would recommend that one. It is the best one, definitely. Okay, awesome. Well, thank you, Jamie, for your time. It's been uh, amazing uh, to have you on and truly an honor for me. And I know that the listeners will gain a lot from this and, and really just amazing for me to be able to display what your team is doing what echo patrol is doing and leading the charge in, in a lot of different ways and, and grateful we got time to speak. So thank you again for making time for us and imparting some incredible wisdom and, and giving us an insight into the journey that echo patrol is taking for the energy transition. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And thank you everyone out there for the support and for listening. Um, and just please like, and share the show and, and make sure you share this episode and all the other ones uh, to someone you think that might enjoy this or might find something enlightening about geothermal or just generally a career path um, and find it interesting. And so really appreciate all the support and thank you for listening in. I've been your host, Nick Sestari on this episode of Core Knowledge Podcast. <laughs>